Damn, that sounds good. For reals. Like, I didn't write that. And I'm flattered by it. it. Sounded pretty cool, though. I'll tell you that right now. Hey, listen. My friend, the late, great Dick Emberg. Yeah, I'm name dropping. That's right. The legendary Dick Emberg used to say to me all the time, and I had this tremendous relationship with Doug. <laughs> with Doug. <laughs> I just said the word tremendous and I heard Trump in my, my ears and then I, I called Dick Doug. Tremendous relationship. I had this amazing, fortunate relationship with Dick Emberg at the end of his you know, life, his last 10 years. And Dick would say to me at lunch, we would have lunch together and he'd say, Scott, if you want to be a star, you got to get out of San Diego and you got to go to LA. And I'd say, but Dick, my kids were born in San Diego. I love San Diego. He's like, San Diego's going to be there. Look what I did. I came back to finish my career in San Diego. So... Listen, I'm happy to be here on 710 ESPN. I'm, I'm so excited about this week, and I thank everybody who's already been a, a great help. Tony Baselli was a, an All-American offensive lineman at SC. He had this spectacular career with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Every year his name comes up for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is my colleague on Westwood One's broadcast of Monday Night Football and NFL Playoff Football. But the thing is, Tony Baselli shared an interesting story with me quite a few weeks ago on my, on my podcast about his experience with coronavirus, which will lead us then into how can the NFL do this? How can the NBA do it? How can Major League Baseball do it? Here is Tony Baselli for, uh, on our first day here on 710 ESPN. Hey, Tony, how are you, man? Scott, oh, great. I see you're going to start me off with an easy question. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, we are, the whole country is, is gone crazy, right? Like, it's the 4th of July, and everything was canceled. Beaches were closed, and, and but yet people still showed up because people want to be out there. I, I sense, you tell me what you think, that people don't take this, this virus seriously enough. You've lived through it, so you have a different perspective. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure people aren't taking it serious. I think people are just tired of living isolated and living inside, and they want to get back to life. And I think a lot of people, especially young people, are saying, listen, I'll play I'll play the odds, I'll roll the dice, um, and if I get it, I get it. The, the reality is most young people are either asymptomatic or it's pretty mild. And uh, I think one of the things we've seen and I had it super early, and I tell everyone it was a terrible experience. It was miserable. I was in the ICU, and there was a moment there I was wondering and asking pretty hard questions to myself. But I'm still – I would consider myself an outlier if you look at the numbers. And I don't think you can make, you know, life decisions just based on outliers or other people's experience. And if you look at the numbers now with the testing going up, you know, uh, hospitalizations are increasing at the same rate, and you're seeing, you know, thankfully the death rate go down. So – I think it's it's very serious. I think there's some hard decisions to be made with the NFL. It's going to have to make. I think they're going to try to figure it out. And I think trying to figure out is the right thing. I mean, I don't know if any of us know the exact answer of how that's going to look, but it's about testing and isolating people who do have it. Um, but to your initial question, of you know, you see people out. I mean, I live in Florida. People at the beaches, they're at the golf courses, they're riding bikes, they're doing things, they're going out to restaurants. Uh, and I think it's people are like, listen, I got to live life. I can't sit around and just hope I don't get it. And, uh, and I think that's what you're seeing, especially with the young crowd. I think you're right. Tony Baselli uh, with me here today. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. And in Los Angeles, Tony Baselli, everybody remembers Tony's great career at SC. Um, 
Okay, so I, I wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go, and I'm going to take it in this direction because you've already said it. Look, the NFL is going to give it a try. Um, they seem to be ready to give it a try. Patrick Mahomes agrees to a contract today over $400 million. Everybody's preparing for the future. But you've lived through Corona. I was actually telling everybody that of the seven people that live in your home, five of the seven got it. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so give me your opinion then, even though you know your football is your sport and it's what you cover, what do you think about what the NBA is attempting to do right there in Florida, where the numbers have spiked significantly? What do you think about the NBA's plan? Well, I think that's, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think they can do it because of the game and, you know, how the NBA is played and how you can kind of keep everyone and play in, you know, in these mutual sites and, and it's much smaller clubs and, you know, so you can stay at hotels and try to isolate that way. I don't think that works for the for football. Um, so I, I like it. I mean, they're trying to get creative. I mean, you've seen golf do certain things, you see baseball trying to make a run at it. I think the overall message is like, okay, COVID-19 is here. Um, we're not going to have a vaccine, you know, in the nearable future. When I say nearable future, this year, um, and maybe not into sometime next year. And, and the question is, well, even if you they discover it, you know, what does it look like to get it distributed around the world? This is not just a United States issue. This is a global pandemic. So you, you have to have some equitable distribution. And so it's going to take time to really get that into the hands of people. And so you have a choice. You could either sit and isolate in your house and shut down the entire world, which I don't think is, like, the best option, or you try to figure out the best way you can live with this, understanding there's risk. But, Scott, you know this. I, I love it that we're going to try to make football safe. Like, when has football ever been safe? <laughs> right. um, there's risk in everything. And I think you see some players, we've seen Major League Baseball players, I think a couple NBA players basically have opted out. Interesting to see what the football players do. All right, let me ask you about uh, that real quick. Let me, let me ask you. You, you got a guy like David Price from the Dodgers who decided to opt out. This guy's made nearly $200 million in his career. He's got another $60-plus million on his contracts the, the next couple of years. He's, he's giving up $12 million, and he says he doesn't want to play. He's fearful of corona. Whereas you've got a guy like LeBron James who is completely all-in, wants to win a championship, is willing to go give it a, a try. Is it because LeBron feels safer with the NBA and Price doesn't feel as safe with Major League Baseball? I'm not really sure the answer. I know my opinion. If you were going to play, if you were still an active NFL player, knowing what you know about COVID and having dealt with it as you have, would you be planning on going to training camp? 100%. Yes. Even knowing what I went through. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I don't want to ever get it again. Uh, it was awful, but I would, I would go play. I would go. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I, I, mean, I just... I, this is this is just the you know the opinion of one man, Tony Bicelli. In, in, in today's world, boy, you got to be careful because if you give any opinion, if someone else disagrees with you, you're just a terrible person. But That's in right. this case, I my opinion is I would go do it. I would say, okay, there's a risk. There's always been a risk. Um, there's viruses all the time around you. Obviously, this is worse, and this is something new, and we're dealing with it. And it's affected the whole world in a really negative uh, manner. Um, but if it was me, I'm playing football. If the football, if the Jag, if I was played for the Jaguars. If the Jaguars said we are going to camp, I'm there. That's me. I think football players have this mentality of, okay, look, um, this is what we do, and if I get it, I get it. The thing I can't figure out though is, is hypothetical. You're playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You get COVID, 
right? Now everybody else on the offensive line starts to test positive. Where do you find five guys, 6'5", 300 pounds, who, by the way, all know the playbook? My fear for the NFL is, is that if it spreads, there are not bodies to just bring up. In basketball, there's the G League. Or in baseball, there are the minor leagues. There are lots of other bodies that can just be plugged in, may not be the quality. But in the NFL, where would the bodies come from? Well, I mean, I think there are bodies. I mean, but there's, you know, to your point, there's limited, very big athletic people. So I think you'd see a drop in play if you had to go get guys off the street. There's no doubt in that. Um, but that's a real issue. I mean, I, that's why I'm saying I don't think everyone has it figured out. I think you're going to go do the best you can and figure, try to make it as safe as possible and isolate the disease where you can. And hopefully you don't get a situation where it spreads through an entire position group. And then you look around and go, okay, how do we even get on the field? Um, that's a real concern because then you have teams forfeiting games. I mean, you look at the competitive balance. I mean, you look at a number of different things um, that that could lead to, and, it, and it, it's a head-scratcher. So I think we're going to have to wait and see. I think the NFL is, from day one, has approached this in the best possible manner to make good, smart choices, you know, looking at it holistically. And uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. But it's a, it's a, it's a real concern. And, uh, and I think you could see... You know, I mean, think about this. You just talked about Patrick Mahomes signing a 10-year, $400 million deal. What happens if three of your starting or four of your starting offensive linemen test positive and they're out and you're going to the street to protect people, to protect your number one asset, and you're playing a team that has their starting defensive line? Are you going to roll out Patrick Mahomes back there and say, you know, we're going to risk the $400 million investment we've made in this guy against a bunch of guys we just picked off the street that were, you know, working in an office? you know, a couple of days ago. I mean, that's where it's going to get really interesting. I think, uh, I think the NFL does play, um, but I think you can see a bunch of surprises, surprises this year as far as, you know, win-loss records and, and uh, how teams navigate this. Tony Baselli, USC legend on Scott Kaplan, 710 ESPN in Los Angeles and throughout Southern California. So Patrick Mahomes, $450 million contract, $140 million guaranteed. Um, maybe the biggest contract, not just in football, and this is unofficial, but maybe in all of sports. You know, usually you hear these kinds of numbers, basketball, I would suggest baseball really more than anything else, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, wow. I mean, you're this young, you're this successful, and now you're this ultra wealthy. What a story. Yeah, it's quite a story. I mean, the difference between that and baseball, I mean, you typically, you know, not typically, but you see those 300 plus million dollar contracts, those are fully guaranteed. And so the key there is, you know, whatever, 400-plus million, only 100. When I say only, I mean, isn't that terrible? Only Dude, 100. I mean, how, how do you live? How do you live on 140 yeah, million? I couldn't live on tough, it. T- yeah, tough, tough life there. <laughs> um, I was surprised to hear a 10-year deal because mm-hmm. let's say this thing plays out. At some point, year six or seven, Patrick Mahomes might be underpaid. I mean, believe it or not. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, to see how that thing plays out. But good for him. He's the best player. Uh, he's the most exciting player in football. Um, you know, he's the one guy. I think if you were picking a, if if all the players went into a draft and started over, I think he's by far, uh, you know, maybe unanimously the first overall pick of that draft. I would agree with that. I would agree. Tony Baselli here today on Seven Ten ESPN. Let me ask you a question just before you go. The world is so different, right? I mean, when we were talking on my podcast, you know, we were talking about you getting over Corona and you'd gotten it so early, and then. You know, what happened in Minneapolis, the world changed thereafter. 
And and here we are all these weeks later, and so much has happened, Tony. I mean, you've got the NFL essentially apologizing, saying, hey, look, we were wrong. We got it wrong. Um, the, the world is a very different place. From your perspective, white guy, NFL player, in a locker room of diversity, I'm just curious where where is your uh, where's your mind where's your heart right now? I don't mean to go so so overly deep and, and be you know so corny, but like where are you in everything that has happened? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's uh, it's an interesting time, and I think a lot of things have been brought to the surface that have been you know kind of you know, bubbling up and probably needed to be addressed earlier. Um, when you talk about inequalities and, and different things that people have faced, um, especially people of color. Um, and I think if you, um, you know, one of the great things I loved about the locker room, whether it was a African American or a white guy or whatever, you, it was all about based on merit. Like the best guys typically, you know, draft, <laughs> you got drafted higher, maybe had a little bit of an edge, but it was really about like the best guys, one job, stayed on the teams and played. And that's what I loved. And so, like, you're in the locker room, you're all from different places, different backgrounds, and I loved it. I appreciate it, knowing that, listen, I don't want everyone to be the same. I don't want everyone to have the same experiences as far as where they came from, and I don't want everyone to look the same and to have the same likes. To me, that's what makes life beautiful. Like, I loved having, like, deep conversations with my teammates that, you know, you know that, that didn't look like me. and didn't have the same experiences. And so I think these are really important conversations that we need to have, um, and I think you need to have honest conversations and, and it's okay that we don't understand everything. Like I've never walked in the shoes of a black man and a black man's never walked in the shoes of me. And that's the beauty of it. Like, let's have honest, like real empathetic, compassionate conversations um, and try to, you know, live together and live in a community because that's what we need to be doing. That's what was so great about the locker room. And what I hope comes out of this, Scott, is there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of emotion, um, you know, and that people are feeling that, like I said, has been bubbling up. But I hope now that comes from this, that there's real action to make changes. That it's just that we don't get caught up in the emotion and the anger, where we just, it divides us more. That we can move beyond it and sit down and have conversations and say, okay, now what are we going to do to fix this? What are we going to do? to live better together. And uh, I hope that's the next step because um, a lot of sad events, very unfortunate, what, what is, you know, has happened to individuals. In, 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 but, what, but the good part about it, it's brought up is issues that we need to address. Sooner or later, they have to be addressed. And I think the, the events of the last several weeks, um, it's kind of brought it brought it out and now we're having i hope we have real honest conversations well you you said it so well and i i completely buy into what you just said which is open honest compassionate uh real raw conversation where people are willing to admit hey i didn't know this i'm sorry about that um educate me teach me i'm willing to learn i'm, I'm willing to to be open-minded if, if we can just all communicate together uh, that is a great start tony baselli thank you for being here on day one on 710 espn i appreciate you buddy thank you Hey, Scott, thanks for having me, man. Okay, man, appreciate it. Tony Baselli, the USC legend and uh, NFL legend and um, social commentator. Now, how about that? Okay, first of all, I want to say this. To all 710 ESPN listeners, you are crushing. I asked you earlier, go onto my Twitter, at Scott Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N. 
go onto my Twitter and post a picture of where you are listening. So what device? Is it your car radio? Is it an Alexa? Is it, um, is it an app? Is it a website? And you guys are loading my timeline with your photos. I'm going to give you shout outs on Twitter and help you build your Twitter audience coming up soon. But I want to say this. I have a question for everybody and I'll take these phone calls. 877-710-ESPN. My question for you is, what would you do? Quick story. Some little punk at a gym told my 16-year-old daughter after seeing her that he tested positive for corona. Well, guess what? Once he's told her that, the dude just completely went dark. I'm going to tell you the story, and I'm going to ask you, what would you do if some kid did this to your kid? 877-710-ESPN. That's 877-710-3776. I'm going to tell you what I did. Coming right back. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Really appreciate that intro. You know, um, at 710 ESPN, there's a guy named Chris Morales, and um, he does all the imaging. And I had been told that he was a big fan, which I was like totally flattered by, of course. Um, and Chris just crushing it today. So thank you, buddy. I appreciate you too. As uh, so many of the 710 ESPN people have been incredibly helpful. Look, I've told you, man, my relationships go deep with George Sedano, with Mason in Ireland, with Alan Sliwa, all the on-air guys. But Adam Braunstein, who's working with us today, Greg Bergman, uh, Amanda Brown. I mean, I go way back with a lot of these people, so really flattered to be here. And I would say this to all of the uh, ESPN Los Angeles-type listeners. Listen, you guys are knocking it out of the park today. I've asked you to tweet me a picture of what device you are listening on, and then I'm going to come back and do a whole bunch of shout-outs for you later on. I'm going to help you build your Twitter audience, too. But I want to see what device you're listening on and I also want to know where you're listening. So I'm getting notes from Murrieta, from Temecula. I'm getting them from really all over L.A. County. So keep it coming. All right. I asked you this question, and, and, and I want to bring the guys on who are scattered around Los Angeles right now producing this show, Greg Berman uh, and, and Adam Bronstein. And, and Greg, I, I may have just missed the G. Um, <laughs> it's all good. So guys, take, take to the mics for a second. I want to tell you guys a quick story, and then I want you guys to tell me what you guys would do. You ready? Let's go. All right. To all parents out there, listen to this story. So where I live, down in the southern part of Los Angeles, called Solana Beach in San Diego, the gyms reopened. And I don't know about you guys. I gave up my gym membership. I found other ways to work out. I decided I didn't want to be in a gym anymore. But my kid, 16 years old, she wants to go back to the gym. So she goes to the gym. She wears the mask. She does all the precautions, etc. She runs into a guy who she happens to know from school, not really friends, but she knows him. And she says, hello, because she's polite. And he says, hello. And they chatter for a second. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay, take care. Good luck. Have a great workout. And later in the day, this young man sends a text to my daughter. Or no, I'm sorry, not a text, a snap. It was a snap. It wasn't a text. It was a snap. <laughs> and, he, and, he said, and he says to her, he said, hey, listen, I wanted to tell you, but um, I got my test back and I'm I'm COVID positive, you know? So now, dude, I got a 16-year-old daughter. You got to understand something. People, please. I got three daughters. They're all teenagers. This is a very tough time in my life. Can you be compassionate, please? Three teenage daughters. One of them is told by a guy in the gym, hey, I've got a positive COVID test. So my daughter starts texting him, hey, look, I need a little bit more information. And then my ex-wife gets involved and he, and he pretty much tells my ex-wife, to go screw herself. I mean, that's, that's really what he told her, really. I mean, he was like so disrespectful because we wanted to talk to his parents. Hey, look, if you've got a positive test, we'd like to speak to your parents. 
we'd like to get some details. This kid tells my, my ex-wife, what are you, the FBI? Who are you? What, what is my mother going to tell you that you can't find out on the internet? Now I'm starting to think to myself, this guy doesn't have a positive test. He's doing something to be a little jerk, right? So I find out the kid's name. I get his phone number and I text him and I say, hey man, um, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're feeling better. But my daughter tells me you have a positive COVID test. I, I need to speak to your parents. He does the same thing to me. You don't need to know anything. You're not the FBI. You can't, I can't tell you anything you won't learn on the internet. Leave me alone. Now I'm pissed. Now I'm freaking pissed because now not only has he told my daughter he's got that she, he's got a positive test. What do you think she's doing? Freaking the you know what out going from hospital to hospital looking for a test to find out if this kid passed it to her. And I think he's lying. So won't give me his parents number won't communicate blocks me this little punk blocks me so what would you do i'll, I'll tell you what i did I'll, I'll tell you what i did i found out he's a basketball player at a high school i found the coach at the high school lucky for me this guy happened to be a radio listener for all these years i'm like coach you either have a player who's got a positive covid test or you've got a player who's lying about having a positive covid test and i told the kid by text brother I sound like a wrestler. Brother, you better have a positive COVID test because if you don't have a positive COVID test and you just did what you did, terrorizing my daughter the way you have and becoming a major pain in my butt, brother, you better have a positive COVID test or you got major problems. So I'm putting it to you guys. Brawny, Greg, you got daughters. What would you guys do? Now, my daughter is eight years old. And, and so mine is six months. Right. So I'm not at that point yet. But I am extremely worried about that time. Now, that kid, he damn well better have a positive test. And if he doesn't, I'm going down there and I'm going down to the school and he is going to really hate his life. <laughs> I'm not going to – I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to hit a kid or anything. But, like, that is just beyond, beyond. I would go off, absolutely off on this kid. The That's dude is blocking. The dude is blocking. But so you know where he is. You know, you know the school he's at. You know, you know the coach. I know the school. I have been in touch with the coach. The coach said, hey, man, I'm out of town. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm like, coach, I get it. I'm not calling you to, to uh, but I want the kid's parents number. Yes. See, that's what I haven't gotten to yet. Do I have any private investigators listening today who, who want to get in touch with me who say, you give me his number. I'll find the kid for you. Look, I don't want to touch the kid either. But what I'm pissed about is the emotional terrorism. Is this too strong? Is this, am I beyond? Is this like way exaggeration here? The, what I'm calling, parentally speaking, emotional terrorism. You tell somebody you've got a positive test and you're just screwing around just to mess with somebody. Not cool. Not cool at all, dude. I mean, I would say more so along the lines of like emotional, just incorrect i can't think of the right word for it it's, but, just, yeah, no, it's just it's it's irresponsible it's idiotic it's you know the the kid obviously doesn't have a clue and he he needs to be told he needs to be reminded he needs to be made it needs to be made sure that he knows what he did was the mother of all f-ups and he can't do it again yeah see yeah, that's the, the thing the coach Go ahead. The coach, what do you should think? Be, the coach should be giving you the phone number to the parents and the coach should be calling him and saying like, hey, man, I need to see your test. Did you, did, were you positive or were you negative? And either way, 
he should be giving you the parents' phone number because that is just a, the incorrect way to go about any of it, and it's disgusting. Pisses me off because you know what happened was this this all happened about a week ago, and then I went on a little vacation, um, and I'm calling it a vacation, but I will tell you guys that I literally went away from doing a daily podcast, and I like I, I secluded, I, uh, I I sequestered, I quarantined in Mammoth because I was like, I'm getting ready to get on 710 ESPN. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. I'm going to go back and watch a whole bunch of Laker games from earlier in the season and watch a bunch of Dodger games and, and, and really, really get in tune with what we're all going to be talking about. But I let it go because this all happened and then I went on vacation. I was like, listen, by the way, I'm also going to do some vacationing here. So I'm not going to go looking for the punk while I was there, but I'm back and I'm pissed. And I really, really want to get this kid's parents on the phone because I'm like, dude, you can't just let this go. If you just let this go, you know what this kid's going to do? He's going to do it again to somebody else. And it may not just be about a positive COVID test. It may be something else. And this little guy needs to be smacked in the back of his head, not by me, by his parents. Yeah, well, hopefully that the coach that listens to you on the radio is listening to you right now and is going to do something about it because... Yes, if, if he's going to do it before and he did it to your daughter, he's going to do it to somebody else and for some other way. Yeah, exactly. I know. It pissed me off, man. Really, seriously. So oh, no, anyway. protective. Super protective of my kids. And yeah. I, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from. But the other part of it is got to understand something. Look, when you got daughters, okay, I mean, when you got daughters, you'll do anything to, to try and make them happy. Because once they start crying and they, they and, and that's, that's what was happening. My, oh my God, I've got, I'm going to be positive and I'm, I'm going to get the Corona. And then it's like, you're going to have to quarantine. And so, you know, she's losing it. And, and as a father, you'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm trying. I'll do any, please stop crying. I'll do anything. Very Jer- right. Jerry, very Jerry Seinfeld of me right there. <laughs> Did get Stop a little crying. <laughs> Stop. I'll do anything. What's the deal? Stop <laughs> crying, please. Okay, well, yeah. coming up. Listen, if you want to jump in, 877-710-3776, I'd love to hear from you. What would you do? But also coming up, I've asked you to go on to Twitter and tweet me at Scott Kaplan and show me a picture of what device you are listening to 710 ESPN on. I'm going to reciprocate. I'm sending shout-outs your way. Coming right back. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Great friends throughout Southern California, zoning in on the epicenter of the mega market, L.A. From the southernmost tip of the mega market, San Diego. Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Having a great time. We're on from 12 to 3 for the next 10 days. It's like an NBA 10-day contract. You know, and think about if you're an NBA player, you get a 10-day contract. You're like, you know, can I get off the bench and and show you guys what I can do? And then you finally hopefully get a few minutes. And then, you know, you put up a pretty decent performance. And then you get maybe a little bit more PT. And then hopefully by day 9, you're like calling your agent going, dude, listen, I think things are going pretty good. I kind of feel like they like me. You know, let's, let's do something here, you know, and... And so, look, I got a 10-day contract, and I'll just put it all out there for you over the next 10 days. Whatever happens thereafter is all good, but I'm just telling you guys right now that you're going to get the best of what I got, and, uh, and that's going to happen over the next 10 days. Here's what I said to you guys earlier today, that everybody wants to build their Twitter following. Everybody would like to have a verification check mark. Everybody would like to have more followers. I love Twitter because I know that when people rip me, and, I, and I, I then click on their profile and I find out they've got zero followers and they only joined Twitter like the day before. I know they're just a charger troll that's decided they wanted to come after me. Uh, but let me say this about Twitter. 
what can be a lot of fun is if we all work together and build a community, it's good for me, but it's also good for you. So I said, look, here's what you need to do. Send me a tweet, show me a photograph of what device you're listening on and tell me where you're listening. And I'm going to give you a shout out. So here it goes. Um, Dave Coleman jumped in first at Dave Coleman, 365 in Murrieta, listening on an Alexa. Drove through Murrieta just yesterday. Uh, here's Chris Bailey at lovingly three lovingly f you know guys when your twitter handle sucks man it just makes it hard lovingly f 365 chris bailey uh in encino california working from home and listening on a desktop and show me that picture here's errol andre brown listening on the radio in san diego i like that i like to see that uh woodland hills checking in dan malillo says uh finally some local sports radio uh melissa thompson and Hermosa Beach checking in and listening on her car stereo. So I'd like to see how many people are still listening in their cars. Jonathan Watson, Jay Watson, 09, listening at home on the ESPN app. Okay, listen, people like like this guy, Roy Sharp. Hey, Roy, careful, dude, because Roy is taking pictures of his radio, and it seems like his car is moving. Um, let's see here. La Habra checking in. Yeah. Um, uh, we drip art at we drip art. La Habra checking. I'm, I'm going through these literally live. So if I miss any of you guys, uh, work with me here. You know what I'm saying? And for those, oh, listen, see, I always like seeing people also like this guy's in South Florida outside of Miami. This is Brendan Aban. Um, this guy's listening on the ESPN app. Um, although he says you're listed as Will Kane. This is Robert en Enriquez. Uh, Billy G 80 driving my truck in Irvine and listening. So listen, this is great. Um, keep it coming. Communicate with me. Okay. Let's, let's, let's communicate. Let's build the community. Okay. And, and let's all together work here. So if you send me tweets at Scott Kaplan and you show me what device you're listening on and tell me what part of Southern California or around the world you're listening from, I'm going to try and reciprocate by giving you these shout outs. Little did I know, I mean, I should have been smart enough to figure this out. You go on the radio in LA, boom, things blow up on Twitter. Um, so listen, thanks for participating. I think it's great. Speaking of Twitter, let me, uh, let me move over here for a second. Anybody been following Trump's tweets about Bubba Wallace? I mean, it blows my mind. It really does. Like, look, we're in a new world. We are in a completely new world. I talked to Lewis Riddick about it earlier. If you haven't heard that, you can go back and you can find it on the app. I talked to Tony Baselli just a few moments ago. Black guys, white guys, all of us together, we all understand new world. And by the way, from the white guy perspective, it's like, hey, man, you know what? Maybe I've been a little bit asleep. Maybe I didn't really get it. You know, I, I talked about this a little earlier. When Drew Brees said what he said, and then you have a guy like Malcolm Jenkins come out and go, man, you don't get it, dude. Like my grandfather came back from World War II just like your grandfather did. Your grandfather was a hero. They built statues about, statues about him. My grandfather couldn't get on the bus or go into the restaurant. It was a completely different experience. And white guys like me are like, really? Because like, dude, I don't know history. I like, you know, was reading the sports pages as a kid and I just didn't listen in school and I feel like a schmuck. Okay. And, and I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday, Black National Anthem. I'm like, Gosh, I feel so stupid. I didn't know the Black National Anthem existed. I feel like a complete moron. God, I feel stupid. But I'm more aware. I'm more compassionate. I'm more open, as Tony Baselli said earlier. I'm more open to being an honest, respectful communicator that can 
use your sports experience and background to try and perpetuate positive conversation for change. So, you, you know, when I read these tweets about Bubba Wallace and the noose, and by the way, this is two weeks. The, the story's been flushed from the news cycle. Somebody needs to tell Trump, like, this happened two weeks ago, dude. You didn't just turn on your, your, your phone and, and get a news flash. This is two weeks old, what he's talking about. And listen, it was a controversy to be sure, because before everybody saw the picture, people were like, what, what are we talking about here? And then you see the picture and you're like, okay, that, that, that's offensive. I got it. So why, why he chooses to go out and tweet these things now, I really, I really don't know. I, I, <laughs> you know, even today we talk about that, bring this home to sports, right? So you have these, um, you have these team names that are offensive, Yet they've existed forever. The Cleveland Indians, the Washington Redskins. These are team names that have existed forever, but there's pressure today, real pressure to make changes. And then what does Trump do? He goes, dude, what are you doing? Changing the names. Don't let people pressure you into changing the names. I just would argue that, that we are in a very, very different world nowadays. And I talked about it with Lou, Lou Riddick earlier. I talked about it with Tony Baselli. Um, it's, it's certainly on my mind. I will tell you, honestly, it's in my heart, dude. I mean, the, the whole story of, of Corona and what has happened in our country to people, to the economy, um, to people's businesses, you know, it's, it's the story of 2020 and, and, and in George Floyd and, and police brutality and people changing their opinions on things. Here, here's an example. Okay. Real quick. I, let me give you an example. I read a piece this past weekend in the New York Times about this female soccer player in a professional female soccer league. I don't know about the professional female soccer league, okay? And my daughter's a college soccer player. I want her to play. Play as long as you can, man. This young lady did not kneel during the national anthem. And her African-American teammate was kneeling next to her and her white teammate was kneeling with the African-American teammate. And the white girl had her hand on the African-American girl's shoulder. It was like a very compassionate looking thing. This girl got destroyed on social media because she had the audacity to not kneel during the anthem. That's the difference in today is that you might actually have more people kneeling than standing. Look, take it to the NBA. The NBA said across the board, we stand. That's our decision. We stand. Everybody went with it. LeBron included. But when they come back, when, 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 when the Clippers and the Lakers tip off later in the month, LeBron standing? The world has changed. No doubt about it. The world has definitely changed. The world has changed so much in sports radio, too. And uh, Mason and Ireland are around the corner. And today, my first chance to cross over with two guys who've been longtime colleagues and professional friends. I'm really excited about this. I was talking to Steve Mason off air this past weekend, and uh, he was giving me his best advice for, for how to handle things over the next couple of weeks. Really pumped about this. Crossing over with Mason and Ireland. This is Scott Kaplan on 710 ESPN. Time for crosstalk. That's right. Crosstalk with Mason and Ireland. And like I've said, as the afternoon has gone on, a lot of history with many of the folks at 710 ESPN. I go way back with these guys. And uh, really happy to be be chatting with you guys. You know, every time I would call, it was like, John, can you come on and talk Lakers? Or Steve, can you come on and talk about Lakers or Dodgers or L.A. sports issues? But uh, now I get the, the chance to be on your radio station. So thank you very much, fellas. Yeah, we had a lot to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> nothing at all. Yeah. Uh, but we're glad you're here. 
Scott, I I was under the impression that all those appearances were going to be reciprocated in the form of like an overnight stay at the Hotel Del Coronado or uh, or something San Diego. You know, the, the thing I'm most jealous about with you is that you get to live in San Diego. That's the thing Mason and I screwed up. We got to L.A., but we should have stayed so we could live in. So you're living in the best city in the world, man. Wait well, a minute. Wait a minute. I think Los Angeles is the best city in the world. What? Oh, please. What a, what a suck up. What a How suck is, up. Yeah. I do. Why wait, do you think I live here? Wait a minute. What freeway would you like to be stuck on for the next hour? I'll tell you what. You not the Angeles? 8. I don't want to be stuck on the 8. Because <laughs> well, that 815 interchange sucks. No, no. It's, it's got, that's not the one. It's the 880. What's the one no, that crosses? It's the 805 the, and the yeah, 5. It's the, the merge. The 805 yeah. is the one that's like a complete mess, right? And then as soon as they start at that, uh, that fair... Oh my God! And the races right around uh, that Delmar exit is just god awful. But how no, about I that? mean, I moved. I moved to LA very deliberately, John. Even when we were working together, I I did my half of the show from LA. Yeah, I think Scott San Diego is the best kept secret in the world. Except it's not as secret as it used to be. It's starting to get pretty crowded, right? Oh, dude, no doubt about it. I mean, seriously, like the the traffic has come back. You know, when everybody went went away and they they quarantined, you could drive around and walk around if you were leaving your house just to go to the grocery store or whatever. Now the the traffic is absolutely back. Even this weekend, guys, I was driving back from Mammoth. This was yesterday, and once I hit San Bernardino County. I was like, what's going on? Are we by LAX? It was bumper to bumper traffic. And I get it. It was Sunday and it was a 4th of July holiday weekend, but it was a very strange 4th of July holiday weekend. In fact, I was looking at the fireworks that were flying overhead in LA this past weekend and then watching the Sunday morning news where there was like no um, visibility in the air at all. After Oh, they actually had a report that came out and said we had the worst air quality in the country on Sunday morning, the day after the 4th of July. I mean, there are drone shots of flying over Los Angeles and all of these homemade fireworks going up. It was it was insane. How, Scott, how has San Diego been in regards to COVID? Are most people following the rules or are most people saying, screw it, I'm doing what I want? No, most people, I will tell you very seriously, at least around where I am, um, I believe people took it extremely seriously from about mid-March Till we got to April, May, June. Till we got to about mid June, and I'm telling you, I used to, I go for a run every day. You guys will love this from from Solana Beach north to Cardiff and into Encinitas. Okay, and that's sort of a humble brag because that's now I'm letting you know that I'm I'm a world class athlete is what I'm letting you know. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so so I'm I, I would run on this beach, and guys, the parking lots were closed. And so, therefore, there was nobody on the beach, and people were, you know, you weren't allowed to congregate. So anybody who was on the beach was in motion. Um, the day that the parking lots opened, it was Memorial Day. It was the 4th of July. So everybody took it real serious. Then the beaches opened and the restaurants opened and everybody went running right back out. Right. In L.A., I think everybody's doing what they want and has been doing what they want for, what do you think, Mace, about a month and a half? Yeah, that's why we're in this spot. Right. But it's, I mean, that's why we're back to no indoor dining and all that kind of stuff. Even this weekend, if you look at all the um, there was I saw one uh, YouTube video of a party in the Hollywood Hills that must have been a thousand people. No social distancing, no mass. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how this story ends. Um, Well, right, because because for me, I was trying to figure it all out. Like right away, it was blamed that, that people went out on Memorial Day and that's the story. 
So right. is it Memorial Day? Is it national protests? Is it um, is it people going back to restaurants and drinking? And you've heard the governor of Texas. He's like, oh, my God, what a disaster. I'm, I'm a moron. I, I opened up the bars. What did everybody do? They started drinking. Once everybody starts drinking, what do they do? They're like, I love you, man. And they start hugging each other. And yep. there's no social distancing. Yeah, it'll be hopefully it'll it'll people will take it seriously this time. But you don't know. You just don't know. You can't make people do what you, you can't make people follow the rules. They're going to do what they want to do. Now, Santa Monica is fining people. Do you agree with that? Uh, depends. What are, what are they doing? What, what, what if I was in Santa Monica? What would I be fined for? You'd be fined for not wearing a mask. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're dope if you don't wear a mask. Yeah. Don't you? But yes, but yeah, you got to be absolutely. careful, though, John, because because when you say now that that something's dope, that means it's cool. Oh, there you go. Uh, the but uh, you know what's interesting? The mask isn't so much for you; it's for other people. Right. Right. And by the way, I just I, I just don't get why it's such a big deal. It's not that hard. I've got like five or six of these laying around. I throw on on when I go outside. I I just don't get what what makes it such a hard thing, unless it's just this whole political paradigm we live in which is ridiculous mace let when, me ask you a question do you yeah. are you a are you a wrap around the ears person with your mask yeah i have i've just recently been converted i was a wrap around the ears and now uh-huh. i'm wearing like um like what looks like a neck warmer and then yeah. anytime somebody comes around me i lift it up and you i just don't pull want, it up right i don't want people to think like ew i think you're gross you're going to give me corona that's why i'm pulling it up i want people to understand that the reason i'm pulling it up is I'm trying to respect you, dude. Yeah, they call that the bandit look, by the way. You pull up the mask and yeah. you look like a bandit. Yeah. Um, I've got the M95 so it, with the two strings that go behind the head, and then I've got regular ones. I've got uh, Dodgers ones, I've got Lakers ones, and I've got Rams ones because I raided all the team stores right away. Uh, and they they go around the ears, but I, I just I I it's beyond me why somebody at this point would not put a mask on for other people for other people. So, so uh, hey, Scott, where do you stand on all these sports restarts? Do you think baseball, football, and basketball all restart and make it, or no? I don't, and I'm I'm a you guys know I'm a I'm a bit of a natural born cynic. Um, the one that gives me the, the one that I think won't happen if I were going to put a bet on it, I'm not really a gambler, but um, I don't think baseball can pull this off. I I find it very hard to believe that a hundred people can be in L.A. Get on a plane, go to San Francisco, get on a plane, go to, to Phoenix, and between hotels and buses and all the people that they're going to come in contact with, I just find it very hard to believe baseball is going to be able to pull it off. And, you know, you see Mike Trout doubting it, and, and you see David Price bailing on it. I just don't have a lot of confidence in baseball. Yeah, I think base, I, well, I'm, I have the least confidence in the NFL. I, I just think in the NFL seems like an impossibility. I know they're experimenting. They have time with these, on their side, though. They're experimenting with these crazy masks. Yeah, but is it the right time or the wrong time? That's what that's what I don't think we know. Uh, is this thing getting bigger or is it getting smaller or is it going to get bigger again? I don't think we even know. Um, I think that baseball seems like, and I know the David Price thing is very disappointing. Um, you have to respect the decision uh, because he made that decision uh, for his family. Uh, but um, I think baseball is going to pull it off. And by the way, we are only uh, – I actually wrote this down. Yeah, what today I re- is the 6th, so we're talking like 21 days away. Yeah, we are We are exactly – no, we're 18 days away oh. from the 24th. 18 days away. That's how fast baseball is coming back. they got a lot of work to do. Now, they've been working out at Dodger Stadium – uh, Bill Plunkett's going to come on with us uh, a little bit later on this afternoon. So they've been doing their workouts there, 
and there haven't been any reported positive tests that I know of. Have you heard anything, John? No, not for baseball. I haven't heard a baseball player test positive, although they, they did. Uh, Freddie Freeman got hit. His wife said got hit by a ton of bricks. He's got, he's got COVID really bad uh, from right. the Right, and uh, they breaks. did say that in some camps, I'm trying to remember what team it was, when they all showed up, they, they had some, some early positive tests. But the one that you guys haven't talked about the NBA yet, I heard Malika Andrews, who's a reporter for ESPN, and yeah. she's been in the bubble. She was on Get Up this morning. And when I heard her explain what it has been like in the bubble, I think the NBA is going to make it. I mean, they are making her and anybody else who's in that bubble jump through so many hoops. She gets tested every day. She gets her food at the exact same time every day. She gets a knock on her door, and then she counts to five and waits for the person to walk away and then goes out in the hallway and picks it up. She is. She gets her temperature taken three times a day, and, and starting when the teams get down there, she's going to wear one of those rings that supposedly can tip you off to COVID symptoms right. two or three days before you get COVID. And it's just, it's incredibly, there's also a buzzer she wears that if she gets within six feet of another person, a buzzer goes off. Yeah, it's like a dog collar. Yeah. I mean, they're taking it. It's like a dog collar. They're taking this. Buzzers when you get too near somebody else. Right. Yeah. They're taking this incredibly seriously. And I even wonder, guys, if it would be worth, like, we we have a lot of friends that are going into that bubble. They're not going to get near a player. I mean, That's all, the interviews, right. all those interviews are going to be done on yeah. Zoom. And on I'm, Zoom, I, I'm yeah. wondering if it's worth even going down there if you're a reporter. Well, what's but, your, John, what, what is your deal? Like, I, for me, I can, I, I can tell you this. I was told by, by my colleagues at Westwood One that during the NFL football season, when I'm accustomed to being at a Monday night football game, they're like, there won't be a sideline person commentating during the game because the league, the NFL, has already kind of told these guys, we don't want the broadcasters anywhere near yeah. the players, and you can't do a post-game interview with a guy and, and share a microphone. So, John, what is the game plan for, for the Laker broadcast? Michael and I will be in the ESPN LA Live studios doing the games from a monitor. And, and by the way, Scott, that's the case with every NBA team. There is not a local NBA broadcaster who is going into the bubble. Now, that could change if, if you know when teams and, and people start to go out and let's say it's a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference Final or a Lakers-Bucks Final, we we could be invited to go down there, but I'm not expecting it. I'm planning on doing, um, and we've been told, plan on doing every game from L.A. until further notice. Would you and, go? Uh, sure. Yeah, if I got assigned to go, I would go. Yeah. But um, but I'm, right now the TNT guys aren't even going. You know, that Laker game that's going to be broadcast opening night is Lakers-Clippers on TNT, and the TNT guys are doing that from a studio in Atlanta. So, I mean, that's the way it's going to be. for It's a whole new world. There's new rules, and everybody's got to be ready to adjust. Yeah, I, um, I think that the NBA is going to show everybody how it's supposed to be done. But even if you just look, and I, I'm not like the world's biggest soccer guy, but if you look at, at the MLS, they're, they're kind of trying to do something similar and um, just today, you know, everybody's talking about Patrick Mahomes' contract, but the team from Dallas, FC Dallas, they yep. withdrew. They did withdraw. Yeah, yeah they had like, a bunch of out. they had a bunch of positive tests last week. Well, yeah. and and Scott, the best player on the LAFC, who's been a really cool story up here, Carlos Vela, is just mm -hmm. opting out. His yeah. wife's pregnant, and he's not going. Mace, can they win without Carlos Vela? Can they even, let alone the tournament, can they win games without him? Oh, most people think that they're still. 
going to be a team to beat. They may not be the team to beat anymore, but they are a He's team to beat. He's clearly their best player, right? By the way, that's discouraging that uh, that happened with Dallas because they had like closed-circuit uh, cameras trying to keep guys with inside the bubble. Um, they, they were really hardcore, as hardcore as the NBA was, and Dallas has had to withdraw. Okay, so, so, it's, so here, Mace, here's the counter to that. And, and I know we got to get out of here, but the counter to that, Scott and Mace, is that Toronto, Brian Windhorst made this point this morning on SportsCenter, the Toronto Raptors have been in Florida already for a week. They, they went down there early, and not one positive test for anybody in their traveling party, and they've been down there for, I think, nine days. So the, whatever the NBA is doing so far, it's working. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to announce today that a bunch yeah, well, of Yeah, I mean, they shut positive. down five camps over the weekend. Right. Well, t- well uh, but those like – Milwaukee like was as Sacramento, of Sacramento, yeah, too. But, but the fact that those guys are in Florida where the numbers have spiked and no one has, has tested positive is a good sign. Here's the thing, Scott. I believe it's all going to work because that's how I view the world. I, I think it's Very all going to work. I am not going to entertain the concept Where have you been that in it won't work. <laughs> no, but this year, somebody get me to 2021. We are due for some good news, and it's it's coming, man. It and is gotta, officially coming. It's got to be even harder for you, Steve. I mean, come on. After that hot dog eating competition last week? Oh, I, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. Mace, I just watched it. There are many, many questions I have about this hot dog thing. oh me too me too all right, hey, yeah. Scott, all right you sounded great today man can't wait to hear you tomorrow hey fellas i really appreciate it and um, i guess this is where we're going to all say goodbye i want to just thank amanda brown your program director greg berman who's been working for me and he, he worked for for oh, george Sedano earlier today do? well he just complained and, and barked at me at, at breaks is pretty much what he did that sounds like bergman yeah adam bronstein Brawny, great job today chris morales the entire crew up at, at 710 ESPN. i just want to thank everybody again and i look forward to being with you guys like I said, on this short 10-day NBA-style contract, and I'll be back tomorrow. Have a great cool. day, everybody. All right, talk to you tomorrow, right. Scott. Uh, Mason right. and Ireland coming up next, 710 ESPN.